Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been on an earth walk, and folks... We've been looking at the life of Jesus and looking specifically at what the Gospel of Luke has been trying to communicate to us. Let me, let me just kind of fill you in about the Gospel of Luke, for instance. The Gospel of Luke was specifically written for Gentiles. Now, who's Gentiles? That's us, folks. Luke himself is a Gentile. He's writing the gospel, so that you and I can understand who Jesus is. And as we've been going through this, do you realize we've been going through this for a year already? As we've been going through this, we've been trying to broaden our concepts of who Jesus Christ is and what he's trying to teach us. We've been trying to go deeper than just trying to read through it and figure out what it's saying, you know, just as we normally would. We've been trying to understand exactly what it is that Luke is trying to communicate to us about our Lord Jesus. And so here we are, we're up to chapter 9, verse 37. We're going to look at verse 37 through 45. And we're going to see an incident, just another healing incident, or so it seems, from the life of Jesus. And again, I'm going to be honest with you, as I was studying this passage, I was really struggling with it because he's trying to communicate something to us in this passage that I think is really relevant to where all of us are at. Because this is not just another healing story. There's something going on here. Yeah, there's a healing, but there's something going on beneath the surface that comes out if you really look at what it's saying. And what it's really saying is something that's going to communicate right to the heart of where each and every one of us are at. Because... What's going on here is an issue of taking someone for granted. Now, do you ever understand what I mean by taking someone for granted? Have you ever, have you ever taken someone for granted in your life? You just assume that they would always be there. They just, you just assume that they would always come through for you whenever you're in a hot spot. And you just took it for granted that whoever it was was there for you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are people, there are, you, you're taking someone for granted right now. There are people that you are taking for granted in your life. For me, one of the big people I take for granted in my life is my wife. I mean, I can't function without her. I mean, I can't. I could try, but I would be dressed pretty weird. I mean, let me just share a story with you. When, when Lori met me, I was wearing a shirt like this with a striped tie. I've come a long way, folks. It's because of Lori. So I take her for granted. You and I understand what it means to take people for granted, right? Jesus is trying to communicate the same thing in this passage. He's trying to help them to understand. He's just told them, guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to leave you. They're not getting it. And he's trying to communicate to them, You guys are taking me for granted. And the reality is, the reality is, I'm not here going to be here much longer, and you need to deal with that. 
So notice with me, let's look at the passage together and we'll try and see exactly what it is that he's trying to say here. Look with me, verse 37. Now it happened on the next day when he had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. And behold, suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, his spirit seized him, and suddenly he cried out, it convulsed him, so that he foamed at the mouth, and it departed from him with great difficulty, bruising him. I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was coming down, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them, so that they did not perceive it, and were afraid to ask him about this saying. Folks, we're going to look at this passage. We're going to try and answer a couple of questions today. And as always, as we're going through Luke, we're trying to answer questions. And the foremost question that we've been trying to answer as we're going along is, number one, who is this Jesus that he demands a response from me? So again, this is the overarching question that we're seeing through the Gospel of Luke is, who is this Jesus that he should demand a response from me? So again, we're going to try and deal with that one. But there's another question that we're going to see here in this passage that comes out of this passage is how serious are you about Jesus? That's really, when you look at what's going on in this passage here, it's not just another healing passage. What's really at the heart of what's going on here from his rebuke to his trying to get his disciples' attention at the end of this passage, he's basically trying to deal with the question, how serious are you about Jesus? And really, folks, that's the question for us today, isn't it? Number one, who is he? And if he is who he is, how serious are you about him? How serious are you about him? That's a question for me, that's a question for you. So let's kind of look at this passage. We're going to see a couple parts here. First of all, we're going to see the dilemma, and then we're going to see the reality check. The dilemma we see in verse 37 through 40. So here's the scene. Jesus is coming down from the mountain. He's got, he's got Peter, and he's got James and John. Remember, they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus in all of his glory. They saw the kingdom of God right there before him. They're coming down from the mountain, and as they come down from the mountain... A typical scene. There's a whole bunch of people waiting for him. In fact, there is a multitude of people who are waiting for Jesus. Why? Because they want something from Jesus. 
The sick are being brought to him. People want to touch him. Everybody is there waiting for Jesus. Jesus comes down off the mountain. And so there they are. They're coming down off the mountain. And immediately, a dad shows up. A dad meets him. Look with me at what it says in verse 38. It says, Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he's my only son. So here's a dad. He's showing up. He's got one child. One child only. It's his only son, which is that's a big thing in their culture to have a son because you carry on your family name. And so he's saying, Jesus, listen to me. I need your help. It's my son. My only son. So he's showing up. Now here's the problem. The son has a demon. And he comes upon him and it's causing some kind of epileptic type of seizure thing. He's foaming at the mouth, convulsing. And he's saying, Jesus, this thing's hurting him. And I went to your disciples, Jesus, so that they could do something about it. And they couldn't. This is the dilemma. Let me just stop for a moment. I want to remind you of something. Remember, at the beginning of chapter 9, it's been a few weeks since we looked at it, at the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus gave them authority to what? Cast out demons. To do great things. And were they able to do it? Yes. But by this point, just a little bit into the chapter, by verse 38, they're not able to do it. Here's what I want you to see about the dilemma. The first thing I want you to see about the dilemma is is that they were confronted with the uncontrollable. They were confronted with the uncontrollable. Folks, a demon is uncontrollable to you and I. There's nothing you and I can do about a demon. So here they are, they're faced with a situation that is completely out of their control. There is nothing that they can do about it. He, he, he gets on the child. The child enters into an epileptic seizure type of thing. He's foaming at the mouse. He's hurting himself. And, it's, and they're not able to do anything about it. That's the dilemma here. The other thing I want you to see is that they are helpless to do anything about it. They are helpless to do anything about it. We don't know, because the passage doesn't tell us, how long they've been trying to work with this child while Jesus is up on the mountain. All we know is, is that the father is frantic. I need your help, Jesus. I've tried to come to your disciples. I asked them to do something about it. They can't do anything about it. They're utterly helpless. It's beyond them. Now let's stop for a moment. I think a lot of us here can relate exactly where that dad is. Can we not? Because the reality is, is that, listen to me, we live in a world where junk happens, where wrong stuff happens, bad things happen, sickness, death, all of that happens around us. And as much as we try to be in control, because that's our thing, isn't it? We want to be in control, isn't it? We want to shelter ourselves. We want to protect ourselves from anything that goes wrong. The fact of the matter is we can't control it, can we? All we can do is maybe minimize the damage from it. And even that we can't do very good. 
And the reality is, is just like that dad, we're helpless to do anything about it. To do anything about it. So they go to Jesus. Now Jesus' response, I have to be honest with you, when I read the passage, I've read it through many times, but when I was studying for this passage, I was kind of like, what? Look at what his response is. Look with me. Verse 41. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. First of all, when you look at that, you're like, man, hold, hold on a second. This is not a normal healing passage. Normally, this is how things go, and it's, we've been going through along the Gospel of Luke. This is the typical scene. Dad or mom brings child to Jesus. Jesus has compassion. Jesus heals. Everybody's happy. Isn't that what we've been reading up to this point? Now we bring to this situation, Dad's bringing child. Jesus rebukes. That doesn't make any sense here. Well, because I want you to understand something. We've got to understand who Jesus is rebuking. First of all, it brings my first point. Jesus rebukes their unbelief. You say, okay, I grasp that. I can see that. Yep, he's talking about them not believing, not having faith here. But who is he talking about, George? Who is the they? Who is it that is unbelieving here, folks? Let me just stop for a moment. It isn't the Father. Because he believes Jesus can heal him. It's the disciples. That's who he's rebuking here. Because he had just given him authority. I give you authority. I give you power to do these things. He just did that in the first part of chapter 9. Here they are. They're confronted with a situation. They can't do it. Why can't they do it? Jesus tells them why they can't do it. Because they don't believe. They don't have enough faith. In fact, when you look at this rebuke, it, the parallel to it is actually all the way over in the book of Exodus with Moses when he had to deal with the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, again, like the disciples, saw God do wonderful things, miraculous things, everyday things. But the problem was is they kept complaining. They kept mocking God. They kept saying, well, when's God going to take care of us? You know, I'd like to have meat instead of this bread all the time. And Moses, over and over, would say things like this, say things like this, like he had to bear with them. It was like, how much longer do I got to put up with you folks, is what he was saying. This is the same thing Jesus is saying. He's saying it about the disciples. He's saying to the disciples, oh, you, what, perverse generation, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long do I have to put up with you and your lack of faith here? He's rebuking them for their unbelief. The next thing I want you to see here is this. They were taking his presence for granted. They were taking his presence for granted. See, here's the thing. Jesus is saying to them, how long am I going to be with you guys? Why has he got to ask that question? Because here's what's going on with them. I want you to understand what's going on with them. As long as Jesus is there doing everything right, doing everything, answering every prayer, 
bringing a healing in every situation, doing everything right. As long as Jesus is doing everything right, they don't really need to exercise any faith, do they? It doesn't take much to believe. It doesn't take much to really grasp a hold of God. Because you take Him for granted. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, think about it when you were a little kid with your parents. I'm a dad. i got four. And, and there are times when mom and dad are just taken for granted, aren't they? Because you don't want to talk about parents. You know what I mean by that? You know, they just, kids just assume that you're going to do it for them. They're just, you know, they've always been there before. Dad and mom will come through this time. And I remember as a kid, that's what I thought. And a lot of times that was true. But I remember as a kid, there were a few instances where I had a rude awakening. Where I thought mom and dad would be there, and they weren't. Now, it wasn't that mom and dad were wrong. I was wrong in my assumption. Because mom and dad see things differently than George saw them at 10, or 15, or 20, or 42. I'm 45 now, so I'm, I'm getting better. The reality is, is we take things for granted. And what they're doing is they're taking Jesus for granted. And Jesus is saying, you guys, you don't have any faith. How long am I going to put up with you? How long am I going to be here? You've got to learn to go on your own. So they were taking his presence for granted. And so then Jesus, it's, it's awesome about Jesus, isn't he? So even though he's rebuking the disciples, look with me at verse 41. He says to the dad, bring your son here. So the son is brought, and immediately, I mean, the demon, he knows he's defeated, but he's got to do his thing. Tries to throw the boy down, tries to hurt the boy, but Jesus won't let that happen. He rebukes the unclean spirit, heals the child, and gives him back to his dad. And if you look at verse 43, the multitude are amazed, and what? Magnify God. They glorify God. So everybody's excited. Wow! Did you see what I just saw? Wow! Jesus did it! Yay! Jesus! Yay, God! And everybody, I mean, there's a party breaking out. But I want you to see what the passage is telling us. Have you ever been in a situation like this where there's all kinds of hubbub going on and everybody's excited and then couple, there's a conversation between a couple of folks while the hubbub's going on. There's a conversation going on here. Look at what Jesus says. Look, verse 43, But while everyone marveled at the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink down in your ears. Let's stop for a moment. You think he's trying to get their attention? I mean, you know how we say it in Kerwinsville? Get it in your thick head. Isn't that how we say it? Isn't that what you say at home? Some of you probably have some other ways. We're not going to share what they are. But you get the point. Jesus is saying to these guys, get it through your skull. And then notice what he says. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. What's he trying to say here? First of all, he points out the reality of his situation. Jesus points out the reality of his situation. What's the reality? Number one, guys, I'm not going to be with you. Here's the other thing I want you to see, guys. Somebody's going to betray me, and I'm going to die. 
Things aren't always going to be this way, guys. Wake up. Get it through your skull. I've already told you once. Do they get it? That's my next point. They still did not grasp God's purpose. Why didn't they grasp it? Because they were living in what they wanted. You understand? They recognized who he was, the Messiah, but their concept of Messiah was his gravy train from here on out. Everything's going to be wonderful and roses. Jesus is going to overthrow the Romans. And guess what? We're going to be with him. And we're going to rule with him. And you know, when you rule with him, that means things are going to be okay from here on out. No more fishing. No more tax collecting. It's going to be wonderful from here on out. Meals beyond anything. Money. Woo! Power. Because we're with Him. We're with Jesus. They didn't see that. But Jesus had some other kind of plan. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. One guy did. One guy did hear what he was saying. You know who he was? Judas. Because he wanted out. And when he got out, he took what he could, 30 pieces of silver, and handed Jesus over. Everybody else didn't get it. They couldn't grasp it. They didn't see it. Why? So, you understand, this is not just another healing passage. Yeah, there's a healing that takes place. But the issue in this passage is the disciples. They're taking him for granted. They don't truly understand what it is that he wants to accomplish in this world. And they're not serious about it. They're not serious about it. It's okay, I see what you're trying to say from the passage, George. What does that mean to me right now, today, in Clearfield County? How do I apply this to my life? Well, I've got three things that we can look at here. I guess the first one's a question. Are you taking Jesus for granted? Are you taking Jesus for granted? Now, before you answer that, because, you know, some of you will say, Oh, no, man, I'm not taking it for granted. What kind of question is that? No, no, you need to think about this question. Especially if you've been a believer for a long time. Because here's what can happen. You can get to the place where you just assume that God's going to do stuff. Sort of like you assume that mom and dad's going to do stuff. That when you get in a pickle, mom and dad will be there to rescue you. And you can get into that kind of mindset when it comes to Jesus. You can start thinking, oh yeah, Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is going to help me out. Jesus is going to answer prayer. Jesus is going to do stuff. Jesus is going to do me whatever I need him to do. And you can begin to take him for granted. Now, how do I know that that can take place? Because all I need to do is watch your reaction when something goes wrong and Jesus didn't do what you thought he would do. What do you mean, George? Let's, first of all, let's remember, remind ourselves of something. We live in a world where stuff goes wrong. Does everybody understand that? We live in a world where stuff goes wrong. Stuff happens. And it's not because of God. It's because of us. We created the world that we live in. Does everybody understand that? And so what happens is, is you can have a wrong assumption that Jesus is going to take care of everything. Everything's going to be wonderful. Jesus is just here to make you happy. Folks, Jesus ain't here to make us happy. And what can, how you know that you are taking him for granted is, is when that one wrong thing goes wrong, how you react to it. And here's how you can react to it. Here's how I've seen it happen. God, if you allow that to happen, I ain't going to have nothing to do with you no more. Folks, listen to me. Are you taking him for granted? Are you taking Jesus for granted? Which brings us to the next question. How serious 
are you about him? See, because when you're taking him for granted, you're not serious about him. You're just taking him for granted. This is the issue that Jesus is trying to deal with them about is, guys, how serious are you about me? Get it through your thick skulls. I'm not here forever. How serious are you? Now, if you had asked them that question right then and there, I can almost guarantee the answers. Peter would say, I'm really serious. I'll die for him. Isn't that what he said later? Just a few short hours after he made that statement. I don't even know him. How serious are you about Jesus? Now, again, don't rush to that answer because the natural answer would be, well, yeah, I'm pretty serious about him. I'm here, ain't I? This is not a good test about your seriousness about Jesus. The test about your seriousness about Jesus is how you are later when you're home, when you're by yourself. That's how you know how serious you are about Jesus. How serious are you? I mean, and you say, well, you know, I, I don't know. But see, you've got to wrestle with that first question. Who is he? If he is who he says he is, if he's God... If he is who he says he is, then you've got to make a decision about him. And when you make that decision about him, you've got to ask the question how serious you are about him. And let's be honest. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. There's a lot of times when I'm not really that serious about Jesus. What? You're the pastor. What do you... No, I'm just being honest with you. Because I take him for granted. See, that's what happens when you take folks for granted, is that you're not really serious about them, are you? How serious are you? And then that brings me to my final point. Embrace Jesus. Embrace Him. Folks, it is time for us to get serious about Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's time for us to quit taking Him for granted. It's time for us to quit playing games. It's time for us. He is either who he says he is or he's not. This is what he's trying to get through the disciples. Get it through your head, guys. This is why I'm here. It's time for you and I to get it through our heads. We know why he came. We know what he did for us. We know who he is. Aren't we going to wake up now and be serious about it and quit playing games? And if that's true, I need to embrace him. When, when I start saying that, I know immediately that there's all these thoughts that start bombarding your mind. What do you mean thoughts, George? Thoughts like this. Well, I don't know if you should do that. Don't do what George is saying because if you do that kind of thing, man, you're going to be going to Africa. You're going to be a missionary. Well, you know, he might call somebody to go there. But that's not, probably for the most of you, he's not going to move any of you anywhere. You're going to stay right here. First of all, you're from Clearfield County. Nobody leaves anyhow. Right? So don't worry. Only the brave ones leave. So the chances are you're going to be just right where you are. It's The issue is whether or not you're going to take him serious right where you are. So embrace him. Embrace him. He is trying. Listen, folks, have you gotten something here as we've been going through Luke? He's trying to get our attention, isn't he? 
I mean, if we just kind of fluffed over and read through Luke, it's like, oh, well, just another healing. No, 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 you're missing it. If you're missing what's going on beneath the surface, and beneath the surface, he's trying to get their attention, and folks, today he's trying to get our attention. How serious are you about me? Embrace me. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.